You're listening to the Austin Elite Rugby Supporters Podcast, a podcast created by supporters for supporters of the Austin Elite, a major league rugby team located in Austin, Texas in the United States. We are not officially affiliated with the Elite. We are merely big supporters of the club and the sport of rugby. I'm your host, Dustin. I'm a former rugby player and a longtime rugby fan who wanted to bring weekly updates on the team, the matches, supporter events, and to do what I can to teach more people about the game of rugby. As a disclaimer, content may occasionally contain explicit language, as I do not censor the podcast in the interest of time and full effect. Enjoy the podcast. And thanks for joining us on episode five of the Austin Elite Supporters Podcast. As many of you know, we're officially the unofficial podcast of the Austin Elite Rugby Team. And it's our goal here to bring you all things Austin Elite Rugby. We're also going to teach you about the game of rugby and tell you how you can meet more Austin Rugby fans through our supporters group events. This week is jam-packed episode, and I'm really excited for our special guest interview. My goal, as always, is for this to be just a short 30 to 40 minute podcast. I don't want to put too much on you right now. And given the length of our interview today, I'm just going to give it a brief lesson in Rugby 101 and talk a little bit about the match against Glendale and then the supporters group event that we've got going on on Saturday. Well, let's jump right into it. It's everyone's favorite class. This is Rugby 101. If this is your first time joining us, you've got a lot of learning to catch up on. (laughs) I'm just kidding. In all reality, there have been quite a few good things we've learned about the game of rugby. However, one thing we haven't discussed is the history of the sport. So, in today's lesson, we'll briefly discuss the history of the game of rugby. Now, the history of rugby ties in closely with both the history of soccer and American football as all three sports owe their origins to basically medieval European mob football games, as they used to call them. In the Middle Ages, these really chaotic sports were played throughout Europe with different regional traditions giving each sport a unique twist. So these sports slowly faded out as fewer and fewer branches of more of these structured quote-unquote football games started to emerge in Europe around the 19th century. Of course, according to sports lore, in 1823, a young boy named William Webb Ellis, a pupil at rugby school in England, defied the conventions of the day in that that the ball may only be kicked forward at that game at that time. And he picked the ball up and he ran with it inside the game, thus creating the distinct handling game of what they called rugby football. Now, While it is known that Webb Ellis was a student at rugby school at the time, there's really no direct evidence of the actual events having taken place, though it was cited by the Old Rugby and Society in an 1897 report on the origins of the game. Nevertheless, 
Rugby school, whose name has been given to the sport, was pivotal in the development of rugby football. And the first rules of the game that became rugby union football were established there in 1845. Many rugby football clubs were formed in the mid-19th century, with one of the very first rugby clubs appearing at Blackheath in 1858. Rugby enthusiasm also spread rapidly to Ireland and Scotland, with a club founded at the University of Dublin in 1854 and the formation of the Old Boys of Edinburgh of the Edinburgh Academies Rugby Football Club in 1858. So you can see it's spreading rapidly from its elitist origins in England, Scotland, and Ireland to middle and working class men in the north of England and in Wales, and then, of course, all to the British colonies in South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. Of course, it also spread into North America, where it was transformed into a new style of football, which is where we get our American football from. In 1876, representatives of Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and Columbia universities formed the Intercollegiate Football Association, which, in general, agreed with the RFU's 1871 rules. Rugby rules were soon modified in the United States and, of course, later in Canada. However, to create the distinct code of what is commonly referred to as gridiron football, which is what we play here in the U.S. for the most part. Now, in 1920 and in 1924, though, the United States won the gold medal in Olympic rugby. And the U.S. is still the reigning Olympic champion as it was subsequently dropped after the 1924 Olympics. But don't worry. Sevens rugby, which we'll talk about another time, is going to be making a comeback to the Olympics here very soon. Let's get back to the history. So the later part of the 20th century, rugby union was affected by the growing influence of commercialism and television, of course, and the development and success of World Cup competitions was a particular spur to the enormous growth of rugby in the decades leading into the 21st century. The first ever Rugby World Cup competition was held in 1987 in New Zealand and Australia. It was popular and a huge financial success. The 1991 World Cup was held in the United Kingdom, Ireland, and France, and was won by Australia, and really confirmed its place as a major international sporting festival. By 95, the chairman of the Rugby World Cup could claim that the event was the fourth largest international televised sporting event as the tournament reached an estimated 124 countries and 2.7 billion viewers. Which brings us to the game that we know now. Played across the globe with the growth in many countries in South America, and of course here in the U.S. with Major League Rugby, we find ourselves learning more about this beautiful game of rugby. Now we'll talk about other things in the history of rugby, talk about Southern Hemisphere rugby, Northern Hemisphere rugby at a later date. But for the most part, this is your brief, but very informative class of Rugby 101. Thanks for joining us. This week, we once again have a great opportunity to interview some of the elite players. And of course, this one was really special. 
a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Once again, we had a live interview. And I'll leave it at that. I do hope that you enjoy this live interview. This week is a special interview for the podcast. We're live at an undisclosed location with our special guest. Now, normally in the past, we've asked the fans who they wanted to hear from. But in the last poll, we had one of the elite players weigh in and they nominated their roommate. However, that same person was nominated by a family member and tried to report the nomination. Little they know that just goes straight to me. And yeah, you just can't do that. So we decided to bring on the roommates together and a surprise guest. We welcome to the podcast, Chris Shade, Alex Faison Donahoe, and spot on surprise, Pete Malcolm. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. <laughs> welcome, guys. So Alex, uh, we're just clearing the air for everyone. It was you that nominated Chris to be on the podcast. And I just have to ask, was this a revenge move or was this something else? Uh, I guess usually when I see things like that, I just right away want to put one of my friends on there. And I know Shade is a, has a great personality. And I was like, you know, that'd be a good person to have on the podcast. But he also up for it. He was probably like, if I put somebody else up for it, that lessens the chance of him having to do it himself. <laughs> I'd say that'd be a lot bigger reason that he'd want to do it. That sounds much closer to an Alex move to me. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well. Chris, uh, you have been asked to come on the podcast. Um, and Pete, we're also really glad that you're here. Um, but you know, the fans did vote for you, but it has seemed that, uh, the past couple of weeks, um, some of your teammates have even mentioned you in the rapid fire question segment. Have you heard the questions that Ben and Zenny responded, uh, with you as the answer in the past two weeks? Was it the same question or different questions? These were two different questions. Then I'm not sure. <laughs> so the first question was, to Ben, which player is most likely to lock his keys in the car? The second question to Zinni was, who is the best dancer on the team? So the question is, um, Alex and Pete, are these statements true? And Chris, uh, do you want to defend yourself? Um, best dancer, definitely shade by far. See, uh, Pete's not going to like that. No. He would throw his hand up for that for uh, sure. Pete can't dance. That's not true. <laughs> Unfounded. <laughs> Unfounded. Untrue. You got to walk to dance. Bro. Oh. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm not the best dance, dancer recently. Yes. <laughs> Although, yeah. uh, that's funny, though. So, well, as far as the other one, the, uh, the law. Locking your keys in the car. How how do you feel about that one? So, so I like I can see where they're coming from because maybe I'm not always the most mindful person. But if you ever happen to be like trotting past the Round Rock Athletic Complex during the day, I definitely don't lock my car. <laughs> so it's an impossibility. I usually leave my keys and my phone in the car. So you're gonna get. <laughs> You're going to come back and there's not going to be a car. I would honestly say that I'm the most likely person to lock the keys in the car because I lock, I lose my keys and lock you my lose them all, all the time. But I locked my keys in the car this year. Yeah. And we have, and, and, you, we guys have. Had, and you guys had to come and bring me. So I said the answer would be out. Yeah. And I don't even have spare keys here. So I'm like extra mindful of it. So it appears then that the actual you know, answer to the question that Ben and Zinni should have had is all three of you. 
I'm not putting my hand up for best dancing. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. No, I'm certainly most enthusiastic dancer. Yeah, and that's really would be that's my really, yeah. that's really my title would be like most enthusiastic or like most confidence on the dance floor. Probably not actual like dance prowess. Yeah, is not that high. I'm sure we'll have to try to find some sort of uh, YouTube. Uh, video that we can put on the uh, on the web page to kind of show off and see if everyone does have the best dancing prowess in the uh, in the group here. So, <laughs> so guys, um, you know, I want the fans and, and listeners out there to really know you guys a little bit better, who you are, obviously, where you come from, positions you play, um, et cetera, et cetera, and, and really kind of what your role is on the pitch. And all three of you play different positions. So it's, it's really great that we can talk about this. So, um, Chris, we'll start with you. Um, you know, Tell us where you're from, a little bit about yourself, position you play, and you know what, what do you do out there on the pitch? Okay, uh, I'm from Youngstown area of Ohio originally. I'm actually from Canfield. Uh, I started playing rugby when I went to Ohio University, and I actually, me and Pete both started out as flankers, or I think Pete started out as a flanker, uh, and I pretty much, I played loose forward up until right before the first pro league with the Aviators, and I basically was told that I was uh, too short to be a loose forward definitely not athletic enough to do it anymore either so I uh, made the move to hooker and pretty much like it's a slippery slope from there like right after I started playing hooker people were like so you could prop now too right and I don't know maybe give it a try and uh, so now I, I'm pretty much I play a little bit of hooker when they need me to now but I've pretty much solidified uh my permanent position is as loose head prop. Uh, so I'm on the left side of the scrums and just basically my main job. You can have a bad game without scrumming well, but you can't have a good game as a prop without scrumming well, if that makes sense. So that's my first job is just to get clean ball and then to just kind of be a, you know, a headache for the other team on the field. Just you want to be hard carries, hitting rucks hard, maybe not stretching the legs out as much as Alex would, but at least trying to make a physical impact as much as I can. Awesome, man. So Alex, I guess we'll, we'll just kind of go around the table, you know, left to right here. Alex, uh, you know, let's, let's hear a little bit about you now. So I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. I played every sport that you can imagine. I played lacrosse. I played soccer. I played baseball. Yeah, I played rugby. I played football. I played essentially everything. And then in high school, uh, while playing football, I had a bunch of guys tell me that, oh, you should come out and play rugby with us. I had a lot of Tongan and uh, Samoan guys on my team, and they essentially forced me to play rugby, and then I quit football <laughs> because of that. Um, so it was a good force. Oh, yeah, it was a great force. Uh, really happy with the decision. Um, what else was there? It was a uh, position. Uh, I play on the wing, um, so I'm the furthest guy on the outside, I guess, to make it in layman's terms. Um, my job on defense is I essentially either cover their fastest guy or I drop back and try and catch kicks from their 10, their 9, their 12, whoever's kicking. Um, so you'll see me in the air a lot, especially because I'm a bigger wing. Uh what else? What else, Shade? Uh, oh, I I usually lead the team in high in high speed meters because ninety percent of the time I'm out of position, so I'm trying to get <laughs> running back, so I'm into sprinting position. back into position. <laughs> 
I don't know if that's actually the uh, thing you want to be most proud of, or or it, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm usually in the right position, but I'm just sprinting back to try and catch a kick, or I'm sprinting to go chase down one of our kicks. So you'll see me doing that a lot, and then you'll see me carrying it up the wing and trying to essentially score or cut back in and not get taken out of bounds. That's the number one thing when you play wing. Don't go out of bounds. <laughs> yes. All right, Pete, what about you? Um, so I'm originally from uh, Huntingtown, Maryland. Um, I've been playing for about 14 years now. I started... Wait, wait, wait. No, no. I'm sorry, Peter. No, no, no. Is no, no, your no. family in Midland, Texas? Now? Now oh, they're in Midland, Texas. Mid- I, don't, I, don't need this. I don't need this from you. I'm not in front of the podcast. <laughs> you from Midland? No, you from Midland. Oh, you from Midland. Anyway. Who sent you? <laughs> Who painted you? Anyway. Rosie from Huntington, Maryland. Um, I've been playing for 14 years. I started playing at the Trojans Rugby Club in uh, South Florida. I uh, and then played through college. Um, I played hooker, and the biggest role of a hooker is set piece. So throwing in the lineouts and giving clean ball at scrums. Very similar to prop. Like your set piece work at hooker is the most important thing. Like everyone's going to judge you on that before they judge you um, on anything else. And then pretty much outside of a uh, line out and scrum, I have the same roles as a flanker. You know, get around park as much as possible, uh, carry, get the carry count up, get the tackle count up. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. So obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about season games, etc. Now, um, so let's talk a little bit about last week's match. Um, Alex, I'll actually start with you first. Um, so the f- past few weeks, we've talked about um, you know some of the creativity issues and stuff on the wing, and some of the attacking prowess of the back line. Um, how do you feel the back line performed against Glendale last week? Um, I think. I think actually, surprisingly, we, I mean, if you look at the scoreline, surprisingly, the back line was able to kind of express themselves a little bit more than we have in like prior games. And I think uh, we just, I think the forwards did a great job. Um, like there was a few scrums that they held really kind of steady and gave us clean ball to attack from. And so it just kind of gave us an opportunity to kind of, like I said, express ourselves. I mean, you can look at the late break that Penny made. I mean, that was maybe that was maybe the first time that both groups together were kind of in perfect like, yeah. harmony and were synced up correctly. And the result is a 60 meter line break that results in a try. So absolutely, that's what I think. Um, I think we we still have work to do. I mean, obviously, we're not scoring enough. Last year, we were averaging almost every game. We were scoring bonus point tries. So I think we just need to continue to work and build off of the Glendale game and continue to continue to kind of create that that harmony in between the two the two groups, and then we'll, the results will kind of show that. Yeah, Alex, I, de- I definitely agree. I think that. You know, the backline movement was really good. I thought that so he had a great run. Um, I feel as though there were lots of runs throughout the the entire match. Rodrigo played well. Um, what are you what are you guys working on this week as far as you know the improvements from the Glendale game going into the game against Seattle in the back line? I guess the thing that we're working on most right now is kind of identifying 
different looks that the defense is giving us and how we can kind of exploit those looks. Um, yesterday at kind of our backs practice, that's kind of essentially all we did was really kind of give different looks on defense. And then the players on offense had a limited amount of time to kind of identify and then quickly come up with a call and expose that defense. So I'm hoping that this week we kind of just continue to build and, uh, just the, the work that we've been putting in this week. I mean, we've just been working really hard on just kind of running straighter lines, running lines, cut lines that are kind of going to block off players that are going to stop players from just sliding across and easily ushering us to the sideline. So I'm hoping that we do that. And then we get some clean ball out to the wing and players like myself <laughs> and Penny and uh, Joel can just kind of express ourselves and have, have a run essentially. So, yeah, so we were talking about, you know, getting clean ball out. It's really important for you guys. Obviously, you know, Chris, you know, I talked with you about roughly some of the same things. So the scrum obviously on the season statistically has been at the bottom of the league. Um, and we talked about it the last podcast, a little bit with Kyle as well. The game last week, though, you guys looked like you made some big, big improvements. And I felt overall the scrum was a little more solid this week. Um, I, I felt as though, um, you know, the ball was getting out to the wing a little bit cleaner from you guys. What were some of the improvements you guys made and what did you feel about the game as far as the, you know, the pack goes um, to, to really kind of stand out a little bit more than you had in the previous weeks? Uh, so as far as the scrums, we've just been working a lot on our setup and just chemistry between different guys. Obviously we've had, uh, six games now, and we haven't had the same lineup in the pack very much. So, you know, at this level, that shouldn't really make a difference. Anybody should be able to step in and, you know, we should all be able to gel and, uh, you know, have the, the same setup, the same engagement, the same pressure, you know, everything should go smoothly. But that's something that we've just had, you know, to kind of focus on a little bit more this year, just to get everybody on the same page so that we're all pushing as one unit. Cause I mean, it has to be eight as one in the scrum or you're not going to be successful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's something we had a little bit better. We still struggled a little bit in the scrums, honestly, uh, on the weekend. Uh, we probably did get a much better initial push than we had in, in some previous games. Uh, but even the balls that we statistically got out, uh, we would get the initial push and then they would get a bit of a second shove on us and disrupt the line a little bit. We really need to get to the point where we're you know, staying steady all the way through the scrum. So it's coming out clean and there's not any disruption. Uh, but it's, it's kind of, it's one of those things where it's just, we're, we're improving every week and eventually we're going to get to the point, uh, like Alex said, where everything's just clicking with the pack and with the back line, we're both working on, you know, different things as the individual groups, but then as a collective team, you know, obviously we're working on everything, just coming together. Synergy. Synergy. <laughs> is, is that the, uh, the phrase of the week? This is synergy. Or the, the phrase just, of the moment when Alex just, just said pulled it. that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, guys, I, I do know that the game, you know, while the scoreboard may not have kind of been in our favor, may have looked a little bit off. We, there were a lot of positive things, some good things to take away from the game. What I'd like to know is really kind of, you know, Alex from you and, and, and Chris from you, what your two biggest or three biggest takeaways were from this past weekend's game. So Alex, you, you can go first if you'd like. 
two or three biggest takeaways. Um, I'd say, I'd say when we're, uh, when we're, I mean, just kind of like I said earlier, when we're all on the same page and all doing our job correctly, it, it just shows what we can do. Um, it's just a matter of kind of doing that consistently and consistently doing your job correctly and not making little mistakes. Um, and then the next thing, uh, the, the Glendale fullback has a really good boot. That's all I got. It does, yeah. He, he, he does have a just very good boot. So, um, so Chris, we'll, we'll ask you kind of what are your what are your biggest takeaways from last week's game? Uh, one big takeaway is you know, like Alex was saying before, we haven't had you know, the bonus points this season. Uh, one of the big things, like last year, we were scoring a lot of four try games where we had bonus point. This, I think, was our first game where we've had three tries. So, you know, in, in Glendale, traditionally, is, is a good defensive team. So the fact that we're able to stretch them and, you know, get on the front foot a little more, have a bunch of breaks that we probably could have converted into tries that we didn't, that's rough. But just, you know, the fact that we're getting across three times and without those little mistakes, we could have gotten across a few more. That's definitely a positive showing that we are linking up a little bit better and opening things up. Uh, on top of that, I mean, there's definitely there's, we have a great leader in Ben. He's, an, you know, you probably if you had him on the podcast, you said no, that he's kind of a more soft spoken guy, but he's, he's really lead by example. He was flying around crushing people all game. And I think we just need to kind of take that example and, and follow suit and just get up in the line with him and just start being more aggressive. I mean, we did have a pretty good defensive game aside from obviously they, they poured on the scoring there a bit at the end. Um, so that was a big takeaway for me. Also, um, we disrupted ball a lot more this week. And a lot of that had to do with, with Mo getting his first crack. He's a really good uh, flanker, like a good seven that gets over the ball a lot. Yeah. And I think that was really positive for us, just slowing down the other team's offense. Causing that disruption you're talking about. And right. definitely, you know, I think we had talked about it before, um, you know, kind of offline. I've talked about some other fans as well. It's like, you know, those five or so takeaways that he had over top the ball and getting a penalty, you know, it, it did kind of disrupt things. So I, I do kind of see what you're talking about with that. It definitely, does, it definitely helps. So go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to add those three you asked for, but also I know you kind of mentioned we're on the bottom with of the scrumming. We're also on the top, I think right now with, with penalties conceded. So just looking at that, with all the positive things we have coming through as far as the creativity of the offense, if we can just get to a point where we're getting our set piece and we're not causing as many, you know, mindless penalties, then we should be right up in the competition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, another positive thing that I took away from this past weekend's game was you know, we talked about kind of some of the statistics from, you know, the previous you know, couple games that, that major league rugby released and line breaks. We were really low on line breaks. And I felt as though this game, there were a lot more line breaks, a lot more of that turnover ball that we got that we weren't getting previously. So uh, I think it kind of uh, it works in parallel with what you all were saying just a little bit ago. So that's good. Obviously, you know, um, 
Pete, you have would like to say anything on, on that matter as well. I know that unfortunately you had, you had an injury that came up uh, last minute and, and didn't get a chance to get in the game, but you know, what are some positive things that you want to take away from the match? Um, it's just really building on what they said is you see the talent that we have when we stop making silly errors and stop um, really just losing our focus at set piece. Like, yeah, you saw more line breaks, but that's really because we were actually supplying the backs with some quality ball, which we haven't hadn't done in the last couple of games. I think we were, we were really struggling to get the backs of the ball in the last couple games and now when we got him to play ball we have the talent to make things happen like you see the way Penny takes that outside gap um, that guy if we give him more opportunities as a four pack then we're going to get more rewards like that so I think that's that's really the thing is, is the more we can cut down on these errors the more that we're going to become a good road yeah absolutely and I think obviously you know, anytime you can reduce the amount of errors in a game, get cleaner ball out, you know, obviously better tackling more turnover ball, good things are going to happen. And I know that they will. And I, I remain positive all the time, you know, cause I see the quality that happens in those, those shiny moments that, you know, like Penny's line break or, you know, um, you know, the scrummaging was much better and, you know, Moe's ball was great and, you know, scoring in the first match, that's always a good thing. You know, that's a confidence boost if, if I ever heard of one. Um, so obviously this week we're, we're going up against Seattle. Um, they're one of the most prolific scoring teams in major league rugby. We all know that um, their leading sco- point scorer and actually major league rugby's leading point scorer, uh, Brock Stoller. So how do you guys combat with some, you know, we talked about sometimes shaky defense um, that we've had at times against a team like Seattle, who's proven they can score at will. What are some of the things you guys are working on this week um, on a, from a defensive perspective? And you can all three answer one, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start with Pete on this one. Yeah. Defense is, is kind of my thing. Um, the biggest thing we have to work on is our nomination. Um, so calling out really who you have in the defensive line and being really clear with the guy on your left and right on who they have, who you have. So it's a little, it's really like that. We call it um, in, in rugby, we call it the micro chat. So the chat, not just among the whole team, but between the guys that you're connected to, we have to get much better at that. Have to be connected on D and have to commit to how we want to defend. So coming up with a lot of line speed, getting to the outside shoulder, we really forcing people back in. We have to commit to that. And you've seen the result when we do, like you saw a couple of those where Penny came up on the, last week, where Penny came up on the outside and really shut down their attack. And that's when we were successful um, versus when we look like we're in two minds on the edge and somebody blitzes, somebody uh, ices out and then we give up a line break. There's, I think there's three examples of that exact scenario of us not being on the same page happening. And that's the thing we have to fix the most is going into a game against a team like Seattle with a very good 10 and a very good back three that's really going to attack you on. Yeah, I was uh, I was guilty a few times whereas it would be me out on the wing and maybe like Zinni or uh, or Rodrigo um, inside me and us not being on the same page and I kind of pride myself on really kind of having a lot of comms on the field and kind of pulling guys over to my side or pushing guys over and screaming to Soil or Zinzan whoever's playing back at a fullback but there was a few times that I definitely 
missed kind of on that micro chat and and I've and I've, I mean I've we've watched the film we've looked over it we've talked about it and I think this week we're just gonna have to really like you said I mean Seattle's a good team that can kind of essentially score at will with players in the midfield that can that have good feet I mean one of them one of them we know is uh, Andrew's brother Loam and we know Loam is can be a can be a game breaker so we have to we have to shut him down and whether that be when he's looking to play somebody out the back that I'm in that guy's face already from shooting in for my wing so I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely hoping that I can kind of work on that and change that this week especially like you said against a really good offensive team yeah I mean that's I agree with what they're saying. I actually got caught one time as well in two minds where I was kind of icing on D. Ben went up, good pressure, and I let Chad come right out the back and take the gap between us. So a lot of that for me, though, is just kind of, I don't want to call myself lazy, but it's laziness. Like the the harder you work in between the plays, getting back into position, it makes it that much easier to chat things through. It makes it that much easier to come up with line speed. So on top of the comms, it's just, it's really just effort to just get into position as quickly as possible, sprint everywhere you need to be, you know, then you can kind of take a second to assess and then just get right back on your horse and you can't be, you know, can't be lazy. We have to work for each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all those are you know, really good points, you know, for sure. I, I think that, you know, watching Seattle play, obviously they do have, you know, like Loam, he's, he's a game changer too. Brock is also, they can all score. However, Seattle's defense, they, they had, they've been questionable in games. If you've been able to watch some of the games, they give up a lot of points as well. And so their defense, you know, they've given up some big runs and big line breaks. How important is it for you guys this week to, to get on top early? And everybody always wants to get on top early. What does that mean for you all? You know, if you can you know, get that first try, get the first three or, you know, get a, get a first six. What, what's that mean for you guys as far as, you know, what your game plan looks like and the preparation for the rest of the game? I think when you when you're kind of on the front foot like that and you start kind of with you're the first team to kind of get under the post or kick through a conversion, you essentially I mean, you're it kind of changes the mindset for for everybody, you know, um, it's it can be a little kind of a bit of a, 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 I don't know how to word it, kind of a a bad feeling when you're standing behind the post because the team just scored on you in the first 10 minutes of the game. So I think us being at home and just kind of being familiar with where we're at last time in Dell Diamond, I just feel like if we can get on that front foot and kind of surprise Seattle and be like, oh, like this Austin team's no joke. Cause there, there's been a lot of games that we've been at, that we've been on the front foot for 77 minutes and one bad play puts us on the back foot. And now we've, now we've lost the game, but I think we get on the front foot early against Seattle, just kind of like we did last year when they came out to a uh, round rock. And I think we're going to stun them. Cause I mean, last year we, at one point we were up like 12 mil on them and it was, and they, they kind of, you could tell for a second there, they were kind of surprised and didn't know what, didn't know, didn't, weren't expecting that. Yeah, a little shell, little shell yeah, shock. Exactly. So, um, I, I just, I expect us to have like a really, like, not simple, but set game plan from the first scrum, the first kickoff, the first line out, attack that hard and everybody just be, be hungry, you know, because that's, 
that's the number one thing you need. You have to be hungry. Maybe not white line fever where you don't want to pass hungry, but hungry to get kind of just get the boys over and and lift the lift the standard. So yeah, for sure. Chris or Pete, you, anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I think it's really important for us. We're a very historically slow starting team um, and having to fight that uphill battle in high level rugby is very difficult. Um, so <laughs> I really think that's going to give us the best chance to win if we can just be awake from the beginning of a game and really not make those silly errors that we do that really gives people tries. In the end of the game, we can be switched on at the beginning. I think we'll, we'll have a good chance, like Alex said, it's time. Sure. Well, obviously, guys, you know, the game is at home and last home game at Dell Diamond, which is just exciting. It's uh, it's been a pretty cool place to play. Um, you know, people kind of say, oh, there's it's, it's so big. Well, it's like we I'm trying to pack it so we can get 11000 people out to the game. I think that'd be pretty incredible. But you know, why is the local support um, and the community support important for this kind of this last game here at Dell Diamond before we kind of round out the road? Round out the homestand, even you know that we've had the first what five games at home, first five out of the six games at home, and now we're getting close to wrapping the rest of it up. Uh, what's kind of that home support that, that you're hoping for in this week? Yeah, I mean, having local local fan base and the home support obviously means a lot because it always has an impact. Uh, you know, if we can have a large number of fans there that are getting loud and getting behind us, it's going to motivate us, you know, to play harder, want to play, not just for ourselves, but for our fans, for each other, for the city that we're representing, the area that we're representing, you know, all of that that comes into it. But on the other end, it could be just as daunting for another team to come into a hostile environment. So, you know, our fans can always be that, you know, 16th man on the field for us. That's kind of helping get the other team in two minds to make it easier for us to take advantage of their mistakes. No, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I think it's great that, you know, we're trying to get a lot of people out there to the game on Saturday and, and you know, we really do. you know, we, we need that home support for you guys. So I, I think it's really important to, to get everybody out, you know, to, to Dell diamond to, you know, again, be the 16th man. Um, that, that's kind of, you know, as we created the group, what we tried to do is start building the community to bring that to you. So hopefully on uh, hopefully on Saturday, we can do that. So guys, we do appreciate you taking time today to talk to us. Um, we can't let you go until we do some of the uh, rapid fire questionnaires. Now, um, Alex had mentioned that uh, Chris was his roommate, but he didn't mention that Pete was also his roommate. So we're throwing Pete into the mix. Now I get to call Alex out twice uh, on this podcast. So <laughs> um, but what we're going to do, we're actually going to do kind of what I call what I'm calling the, the roommate rapid fire. So we're going to ask questions just right in a row. And the three of you can all answer at the same time that they're all kind of, Easy questions that everybody can answer. Uh, just answer the first person that comes to your mind. You guys ready? Yeah. Yep. Good. All right. Who's the better cook? Pete. Oh, nice. <laughs> Who snores the loudest? Peter. Pete. Oh my god. Oh my god. Pause. No. Pete, no. 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 I'll tell the story. So, um, just at Glendale, we had roommates, and usually um, we had roommates in the hotel rooms. And usually it used to be kind of similar positions. So I room with like maybe Penny or Soyel or uh, Zinni. This time they flipped it. So it was one with 15, two with 14. So I was with Peter Malcolm. Mind you, I've slept in a room with a hotel room with Peter Malcolm before and didn't sleep a wink. So I knew what was coming. <laughs> and, and, but he, he, he assured me, he's like, no, dude, my, my snoring has gotten better. 
It was nowhere even close to better. <laughs> I had to hit him with a pillow because he was laying on his back. And he's like, don't let me sleep on my back or it'll be really loud. And I was like, Pete, you need to lay on your stomach. And somehow he was still laying on his stomach and was so loud. <laughs> the worst. <sighs> <laughs> this is when he fell asleep in the, the one day in the living room, he fought. It was one of the dogs like being loud. Alex fought and he came out and it was Pete just like mouth open. <sighs> it's like he's just cutting wood. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let Pete go on that one. So. Uh, um, what's the one thing that Alex fears the most? That's good. I don't know if you guys know that one. I'd say someone better than him at Madden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, hate, I do hate losing in Madden. That ruins like my whole night when I lose a Madden game. Yeah. Chris, what do you think? What's his- I mean, Alex is like an idol to me, so I, <laughs> I feel like he doesn't fear anything. Uh, like, you're going to really be pulling back the curtain if you tell me that you're afraid of anything. <laughs> I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> All right, what is Chris's favorite food? Oh, uh, protein pancakes. Protein pancakes. That for at least for right now. I thought you guys were gonna say Chinese buffet. Oh, protein pancakes is definitely my favorite thing that I can make here. Protein. What is the one thing that Pete thinks he's really good at but isn't? All right. This this is actually a really good one. I'm glad there's three of you for this question. Who would win in a game of Jeopardy? Me. Alex. Yeah, I would say Pete. Sorry, Alex. Alex. No, Alex. I listen to way more NPR than you. No, I listen to NPR every day. I'd also like to point out that NPR is not a justification that you would win Jeopardy. How about Dan Collins' hardcore history? See, no one. No one. I am talking about. I like when I watch Jeopardy. Like everybody, like everyone plays while they're watching. I'm sitting there all. All right, all right. So, out. Chris, we'll ask you then. Uh, you know, if they would like, win I, at Jeopardy, what would you win at? What game show would you win at that they wouldn't? Ooh, what's the most game impressive show? game show? Yeah, <laughs> probably like that. Uh, what was that rattlesnake ranch with uh, so cool? <laughs> <laughs> no, when I was younger, I always wanted like I wanted to be on the real world, real world. Not because I wanted to be on the show, just so that I can then be on the real world road rules challenge where yeah. they were basically just fighting each other yeah. and you get a bunch of money. I yeah. don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about? No. Do you remember that? I remember channel. I'm, I'm, I'm educated. Yeah. Oh, here's a lot of Jeopardy. So I remember that. He was just working in I will say this family feud. I would win 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. Cause you prep people. Uh, I, I love family feud. <laughs> That's my one. I think you and Steve would just have really good before, you know, <laughs> what is uh Pete's favorite dessert? He doesn't eat dessert. Mm. Unless it's protein pancakes. Yeah, that's kind of a dessert with honey and uh, Greek yogurt. If we're going by most eaten. Wait, let me think though. Okay. All right. Okay. If you dessert would be milkshakes. Yes, no, no, I'm sorry. What is it? Well, I've never had it before. So no, it's I've never had it in front of you. Though. Exactly. What is yeah. it? It would be tiramisu. Ooh, that's just a good, that's all that's around. Delicious. Sorry, we haven't I mostly just have that with my mom, though. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jill. <laughs> <laughs> so who has been sin bin the most in their career? Peter. Yeah, Peter. How many times? Uh, I think it's only like four or five. It's less than you would think. I'm much better at getting not getting caught punching people than I used to. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's. Uh, I mean, Alex and I used to play against each other in college. You can he can attest. Yes, Peter was consistently the guy that we were like, oh, look out for that dirty guy with the long hair, because that's when you have long hair. <laughs> yeah, Alex was like, but he never punched me, so now we live together. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was always just the guy who running past. Alex like, was. Alex was always much too far away from me. I definitely would talk that talk to Pete mid long runs. Uh, I'd score a try and literally like airplane right past (laughs) Pete. I'd score to catch me through. (laughs) You're so big and strong, Pete. Too bad you're slow. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that's enough right now. That'll be. Let's uh, <laughs> see. Actually, one one more. Um, can't I, find it I want. I want one more. I'm ready. All right. So, so the last question we'll have was, in your prime, who was the biggest ladies' man? Pass. <laughs> Wrong pass. Hardcore pass. It's definitely a battle between Alex and Pete, though. No, certainly not. No, certainly not. No, I'm out of that. I'm not even close. But I will not. I'm scared to talk to girls. I will not answer that. Oh, that's incriminating. No way. For everyone listening, uh, we did talk about it before. I do know that they all have wonderful, significant others that they talked extensively about prior to the podcast. So thought I'd throw that in there. They love, love it, yeah, <laughs> very lovely. Love love Nicole. <laughs> do they love you enough to put a ring on it, though? What's up, Angie? <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Oh, now there's pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, no pressure there. <laughs> uh, that's a good. That's a good one to end on, guys. Um, we really do appreciate you taking time out of your, your day off to talk with us. Um, it, I, I say this with everybody. I think it's fun just to sit down and chat with you guys, learn more about you. Um, in closing, you guys want to say anything to friends, family, anybody listening on the podcast, by all means, go ahead. I'll give you a minute, about a minute each to you know, throw something out there if you want to. Yeah. Just thanks for all the support. Uh, you know, I know it hasn't been the, the perfect start to the season, but we're, we're still out here you know, grinding, working hard, trying to put the pieces together and keep coming out. Obviously, this is the last game up at, uh, at Dell Diamonds. So do your best to get there and we're going to put on a show for you. Uh, yeah, same note. It's it's been if it's been hard for you as fans, it's been hard for us as players. And we're just we're still pushing through. We're still hungry. So just continue to support us as much as you can, because it's it's coming soon. Trust me. Little thing. If you've if you're really watching these games every every game, there's just a little thing. It's like, oh, that, that that's that's a lot better than it's been in the past. So I, I really think it's it's coming soon and we're we're going to shock some people in the next uh, couple of weeks. Nola, look out. <laughs> um, I think the boys really hit it right on the head there. Uh, I'll just reiterate, really appreciate the support and uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, guys, thanks much. I appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys out there on the pitch on Saturday. Thanks. Thanks. As always, 
We are super grateful for the elite players for coming onto the podcast and talking to us a little bit. I really had a great time sitting down and talking with Chris and Alex and surprisingly Pete. So uh, it was uh, really one of the funniest times I've had in a little while in doing the podcast. So thank you again, guys, for joining us. Stay tuned next week for more elite players that we'll talk to. And who knows, maybe we'll have more people and just do a full team podcast. Um, That may be a little bit difficult, though. All right. It's on to team talk. Well, we've already talked a lot about last week's game during the interviews with the players, so I won't speak too much on the match. At a high level, the Glendale Raptors defeated Austin 38-19. to In the first half, Glendale controlled much of the possession despite the solid defensive efforts that we had. The Raptors jumped out to an early 14-0 lead before Moe forced a penalty, and the subsequent scrum led to a try by Rodrigo Silva. This took the game to 14-5, and after Moe stole another lineout and a strong defensive stop by Austin, so he'll had that amazing run, cutting through the defense, only to be held up in the end goal area. The second half saw the Raptors score early and go up 19 points. Moe continued to exhibit his man-of-the-match performance by getting over the try line in his very first Major League Rugby match. We had a few missed kicks to touch that really cost the elite a near-tip interception by Alex that led to a Glendale's fifth try, and really a, a tough few breaks that we had. Some penalties that were on us in the second half that really hurt, and we had a few line breaks that just didn't result in, in the opening break that we really needed. However, a great end-game line-breaking run by Penny resulted in a try, but In the end, of course, it's not enough for the Elite. The Elite had a good game in the scrums. They really did. And we talked about it earlier in the interview. Had some issues that resulted in the lineouts later in the match when they decided not to go to Ben Mitchell as the main jumper. I really felt that though Ben was dominating those lineouts early in the match, but a couple of them later, they they changed it up a little bit. And unfortunately, uh, we ended up losing to Glendale's solid lineout. We talked about it with Chris and Alex and Pete. And despite what people said and what they say on social media and other places, I do feel as though that this last game was the best performance that we've played the entire year. There's no denying that Mo played very well. Of course, man of the match. But other players played extremely well also. And we saw those glimmers of how good Austin really can be. Our line breaks were happening. We're getting the ball out to the wing. Rodrigo Silva, I will not deny it. He had a great game. I thought that he came on and and really was creative and and got good ball out. The scrum was stronger. And of course, as we talked about, that allowed us to get that ball out. We're doing more turnover ball now, and that is positive movement for us. So I'm an optimist. And I see the potential that we're showing right now. And I know that everything is going to start clicking all at the same time. We continue to talk about it and we know that they are just on the cusp. And I hope that it happens this weekend. So, like I said, I'm not going to talk long about it. I've got the positivity. I know we can be better. On to Saturday. This Saturday... The Elite take on the Seattle Seawolves at Dell Diamond in their final match at the Diamond. Seattle's 4-2 and two and sits second place in Major League Rugby, 
man, they're a high scoring team. But as we talked about, they are susceptible to giving up a lot of points. Yes, we sit at 0 and 6 in just two points. But I have a feeling that we're going to jump out on top first. We're going to put them on the back foot. And we're going to be the ones that finally have that game that, that we've shown in those instances that we can be a great, great team. So I urge you, don't lose faith. Keep on the positive and on the up and up. The elite's going to come around. And we're going to show everybody this week that we are a team to be reckoned with. We're halfway through the season. And if we turn it around now, we can show the rest of Major League Rugby that we are a solid team. Got to stay positive. And to wrap things up today in this podcast, a little bit of supporters group information. Obviously, we've talked about it in weeks past and we've done it before, but this Saturday at Dell Diamond, we are hosting our big tailgate event. Come out on the 16th at four o'clock. We're going to be in the West parking lot between areas B and C. Look for the giant flags that we have. We've had some great support so far. Lake Austin Ales is going to be supplying some of the beer for the event. We've got other supporters who are bringing food and grills, et cetera, et cetera. If you're still looking to find the list on what you'd like to bring, find our Facebook group. John's put up some stuff on there. Big shout out to him for organizing everything this week. It's been a a big help to everyone. So come out, bring your friends and family. Don't forget, kids are welcome to... If you don't know much about the sport of rugby, come on out. We'll take some of those rugby 101 classes and teach it to you right there on the spot. Just before the elite take on Seattle at six o'clock. As always, thank you for joining. If you're looking for more podcasts about rugby and major league rugby, don't forget Earful of dirt and they do a good job. Maybe sometime we'll get Aaron on our show too. talk a little bit of rugby. Don't forget. To get other great game summaries from around the league, DJCoilRugby.com has it there for you. He also has all the latest signings for all the clubs as well. That's all the time we have on this episode. Thank you for joining. We thank Chris and Alex and Pete for such a great and funny interview we had. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all the podcasts across iTunes. Spotify, SoundCloud, I don't know. We're all over the place. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and our Facebook page, the Austin Elite Supporters Group. We're an easy one to find. Thanks again for hanging out with me once again this week. My name is Dustin, and we'll see you on the pitch.